This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. All right, head on a swivel here. I can't help but notice that we are missing two prominent things here on this edition of Cardinals Underground. One, Kyle Odegaard. We'll get to him in a minute. Number two, a neck tattoo from Darren Urban. As Darren finally turns to his right, where Kyle would typically be seated, no more the ping pong effect, no more the tennis so no, back and forth other, no so it's just us one-on-one okay uh and i i do not detect a neck tat so does that make it any more or less likely that larry fitzgerald will come back in 2021 <laughs> how'd that work again uh yeah that's uh that i don't know if there's a direct line there paul there I isn't i thought honest. there was a cause and effect there well i mean larry did make some kind of comment about me getting a neck tattoo of the suns uh but oh, okay we, we've kind of put that I in the see. back burner now that uh okay. at this point uh as we record this we're everybody's I just see. hoping that car the suns can actually wrap that thing up yeah. and get to the final yeah. thankfully for you larry's preoccupied with his team he's trying busy. to make a run to the nba finals that's good uh, that wouldn't stop him from stirring the crap though yeah. right now yeah speaking of stirring it up if i can borrow your soup spoon over there uh, i have a theory not just on larry that'll come a little bit later on kyle do we have an APB on the whereabouts of Kyle Odegaard because moments ago I saw a tweet from NGS, Next Gen Stats. And in screaming capital letters, they tweeted out, the Next Gen Stats team is hiring. We're looking for experienced analysts with a passion for football and analytics to join the NGS product and engineering team for this upcoming season. Are you trying to get rid of them? I'm just wondering, are you sure that Kyle, out for, unbeknownst to you, Darren Urban, the guy who hired him, he isn't trying to look for a gig that involves, according to the job description, here's one line, you need to have knowledge of query database using SQL, Python, or R to uncover new stats slash splits. So maybe, maybe, can you send me that tweet? Maybe my son could get involved in that. Oh, actually, that go. actually would help. There you go. That would, uh, somebody, a wise person once told me somebody's on Darren's couch. Anyway, proceed. Go. A wise person once told me you should always be interested in being interested when it comes to employment. So that's good. If Kyle wants okay. to, if Kyle yeah. wants to be interested, okay. I, I can't, I can't blame him. Okay. All right. Well, he's not here. So uh, let the discussion commence about leadership. Yeah. Real quick, though, yeah. I'm serious about that tweet. I need it for my son. <laughs> okay. uh, we won't be getting into survival analysis, forecasting, hurry probability. Okay, We won't do it because right. uh, we don't have to do it because Kyle's not here. So <laughs> okay. what we will do is talk about Kyler Murray. And what did I see from Steve Keim? And Darren, what's going on here? Did you get a scoop with the GM? How exact is this fresh Steve Keim content talking about it, his franchise it quarterback? It is fresh because okay. – 
because uh, the boys over there making the new flight plan episode uh, sat him down for some stuff and I weaseled my way into the room so I could ask a couple questions. And there was just I just wanted to ask him uh, basically now that we're in the third year of of uh, Kyler Murray, I mean, even once you draft him that first year, he's a rookie year. You want to see where he goes that second year. You're trying to see what kind of steps forward. I, I, no, wait a minute. He was the rookie of the year yeah. and he was a pro bowler in, in year two. Exactly. So, I, yeah. I, I'm not, right. there's, there's okay. nothing, but, but the point of my question to the general manager here okay. was now that we're to that third year, because of the things you just mentioned, I mean, how much headspace does he really take up for you now that there's a million other things you're probably thinking about? I mean, because I'm guessing the last couple of years, Kyler Murray was probably first and foremost in terms of even what the GM was thinking about on a daily basis and, and where to go with that. But now, are you, hey, does it does it d- dial it back a little? That's an apt question because in that well, very the very chair you're sitting in, up until three years ago, Steve Kime would appear for an off-season edition of the Big Red Rage, and he'd say the same thing every time. There isn't a day that goes by where I don't think about who's our next franchise quarterback. Right. And so, yeah, that no longer weighs mightily on the mind or the shoulders of the GM. So that was the gist of your story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just – it wasn't super deep. Uh, you know, we're in the offseason. There's there's not a lot to say about Kyler at this point that hasn't already been said this offseason. But I that was the gist of it. And, and especially once, you know, Steve said, you know, ultimately, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, that he doesn't, I mean, he feels really, really good about the quarterback room right now. And he was saying in general, but obviously that starts and goes about 90% to Kyler Murray anyways. Yeah, here it is. I would say my confidence at the position and in general is at a real high. And so there you go. And, you know, look, uh, last time you had a quarterback, an Arizona Cardinals quarterback, make the Pro Bowl was the years that the Cardinals went to the NFC Championship game whether it was Kurt Warner 2008 or Carson Palmer 2015. So, okay, I've heard good things about Colt McCoy being in that room now, and maybe that Texas connection. will bit about, yay, you know, when Kyler was growing up, Colt McCoy was a big deal in Austin, you know, yeah. playing for the Longhorns. So I, I think there's some mutual respect there, and Colt McCoy might be a real good influence uh, on Kyler Murray. Now, what that means and how that translates out into the field, we're all going to find out. But, uh, you know, Kyler Murray was quoted on azcardinals.com, and I'm not exactly sure where this one came from. Was this from his press conference yes, where he said was... emotionally last yeah, year was, was frustrating? Okay. Conference. Okay. All right. So, but based on that and the fact that Kyler cited how, you know what, not playing into the postseason, I'm not used to that. Yeah. And so that's a motivating factor for the Cardinals quarterback, despite the fact that the division is loaded and you have Matthew Stafford getting all this love and everything that Sean McVay is saying and obviously Russell Wilson and the regular season Seahawks who just went 12-4. and And then I heard Mike Garofolo, NFL.com. It was actually Good Morning Football on NFL Network, made a comment that the word out of Niners camp, at least the offseason camp, is that Trey Lance is much farther along than people had anticipated when it comes to the playbook in terms of processing the football IQ part of playing quarterback. And it really makes you wonder, could Trey Lance do to Jimmy G what Russell Wilson did once upon a time, 2012, to Matt Flynn 
Possibly, although the the difference there is Matt Flynn. I mean, you everybody expected him. They just signed him to the giant deal, and he had never played regular football. And so, I mean, I think the 49ers know what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo, and we all know that once they drafted Trey Lance, the uh, the little uh, flashing red light on Jimmy Garoppolo's time in San Francisco was was yep. you know getting faster. So, right. I mean. I wouldn't be completely stunned with that because here's the thing, it, all things being equal, and maybe they are and maybe they aren't, but Lance is your guy of the future. And and I think we've gotten to the point, Paul, where, and we saw it with Kyler Murray, I mean, there's there's no reason to wait on a guy anymore. You want him to be good, but you, the clock is, is ticking on everybody, whether it's a rookie quarterback contract or the coaches that coach them. I mean – as good as Kyle Shanahan has been, if if they struggle the next couple of years, no matter what happens, where where does that go? Hey, three out of his four years, they've lost ten games or more. They've had double digit losses in three of his four years as head coach of the 49ers. Now they've been riddled with injury two of those years. In the first year he took over a dumpster fire. I get it. And then the the outlier season, they went all the way to the Super Bowl and they led with seven minutes to go. So Okay, I understand that, but you can see the urgency in a Kyle Shanahan making that deal. And you're right, there's a big difference between drafting a Russell Wilson in round three and trading up to number three overall and taking Trey Lance. So there is a big – and you're right. To me, if there's any sense that guess what? Trey Lance is indeed the guy, and the rest of the team, the entire locker room senses, you know what, Coach? He's the guy. We, Which – if you hit the rewind button, is exactly what happened in Seattle. Pete yeah. Carroll was going to lose the locker room yeah. if he didn't go with the kid, Russell Wilson, over Matt Flynn at that point. I mean, again, these guys, they're going to want to win. Uh, if Trey Lance has shows some things that Jimmy G can't do and he's competent enough in the other things that Jimmy G can do, it doesn't make any sense to sit on it, you know? So they had this roundtable discussion speaking of good morning football. Uh, pick your winner of the NFC West. So you had one selection of the Rams off the top. You had another one for the Seahawks. You had one for the Niners. So the host of the segment then came back and said, all right, you three panelists, what's it going to take for the Cardinals to compete? Because they were the only team that was not chosen as a uh, possible winner and champion in the NFC West. And Kyle Brandt, among others, said, you know what? Kyler Murray's got to become a top eight quarterback and take that next step like Josh Allen just did which is intriguing because if you believe the Pro Bowl nomination, he's a top six quarterback. There were three quarterbacks in the NFC. The other two are named Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, we saw an inconsistent or uneven 2020. So I'll put the same question to you, Darren Urban, here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. What is it going to take for the Arizona Cardinals to compete with those other three heavyweights. And I say that with the Niners getting healthy and have the track record of going to the Super Bowl two years ago and actually be a viable contender for a division crown. Well, for me, I would say I don't even want to bring up health because I think that's that's straight across the board for every team. If you don't stay healthy, you're going to have a tough time seriously competing. But so let's say that's a given. I agree. I, I'm not going to necessarily say top eight quarterback. I don't really know in the end what that really means. Um, but I do think Kyler Murray has to be better than he was last year. And he was pretty good last year, but he needs to be better. He needs to be more consistent. I think 
I think A.J. Green has to give you solid number two wide receiver work. Um, you know, whether that, that might only be 50 or 60 catches, I don't know what the numbers might say, but he's got to give you that guy so that Christian Kirk can work in the slot and that DeAndre Hopkins isn't harassed all the time as your one skill guy. And then to me, the other main thing at this point for me would be uh, defensively uh, the Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt thing has to work, which I, I think it will. But I, I mean, that's that's got to be there. And, and you've got to get uh, solid play from those inside linebackers. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be Pro Bowl stuff because yeah. they're so young, yeah. but yeah. Those, that's what yeah. you need for me. Yeah, And I agree. You can start with the two young inside linebackers, but if you're going to hit zoom out big picture on the big red, I'm just going to go with the acquisition of all the 30-somethings, whether it's Malcolm Butler or J.J. Watt or Rodney Hudson or A.J. Green, and I'll throw Chandler Jones in there coming back from injury. These are all key cogs that – have had some glory years, but they're a year or two or three removed. A Robert Alford. We're all it's, it's, removed from our glory years, Paul. It's, it's that category, all right? Uh, can anyone here claim to be in the 18 to 34 demo? Absolutely not. So, uh, you know what? Just go ahead and, and get in line around here on Cardinals Underground. So, by the way, speaking of DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, I actually did not see this, but you had mentioned D. Hop ended up Number 17 overall in the pro football focus okay. rankings. And that's of they all go, players in the league. But they go top 50. They don't go yeah, like NFL.com, top, top no, no. 100. Top 50 okay. players in the league right now. DeAndre Hopkins was the lone Cardinal on the top 50 list. He was number 17. But he was the number two receiver. Really? So behind Who was ahead of him? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, okay. Hmm. There was a couple tight ends ahead of him with uh, Kelsey and Kittle. Hmm. But in terms of wide receivers, he was number two. And I, I just thought it was kind of interesting where they, they put him. I mean, I think he absolutely belongs in there. I think it's interesting that, you know, maybe Buda Baker could have been in there. But, again, when you're talking about 50 players across the board, not in a conference or whatever, okay, you know. Who was that one ranking? And this might be the most outlandish happening of the offseason. What was the ranking that Buda Baker is the 16th best safety in the league? I don't know if that was. I think and, that was a PFF thing because wasn't he mad at them? I'm pretty sure it was. So there's no way he's going to be a top 50 player True. When, when he's a top 16 safety yeah. in the NFL, which so which calls everything Painful. into question, uh, to be honest with you. By the way, uh, the Cardinals still seem to be a little light at tight end on the old depth chart. Uh, so does that matter? Is that a big deal? Are we still waiting around here? Are we still in the waiting room tick-tock on a tight end? Well, I know you were upset, Paul, when Cliff Kingsbury came out at one point and said, we're going to be adding to that room, and then it didn't happen. I felt like you were just waiting well, for that shoot no, to drop. Now, wait a minute. There's always at least one time time sign. So if we're tracking for a time time sign, it's got to be tight end. Got to be tight end. What are the Eagles going to do with Zach Ertz? Well, he's not a free agent, so what? Well, maybe they just keep him. Uh, but he's not participating in their OTAs. He's not there. There's no expectation that he's going to be there. So is he going to be released? Is he going to be traded? Give me an answer on Zach Ertz, and then I'll tell you what's next for the Cardinals I, and tight end. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I, if I'm the Cardinals, the way I use tight ends, I don't know if I want to add an $8 million tight end right now. Do you? No, I do. And I think that might be part of the delay. The Cardinals do want to do not want to trade for Zach Ertz. They don't want to take over that contract. They don't want to give up 
any sort of asset or capital to get him. And I think that the Cardinals think the Eagles are going to be forced to release Zach Ertz. Why would they be forced to release him? I, I never understood that con- the, concept. Because the, he's unhappy? The particulars of the situation, including yeah, his unhappiness. And I'm not sure he really fits with the new regime and perhaps what they have in mind. And Maybe he's not. not necessarily on board. And, you know, it's the old thing when you have – a brand new unproven head coach you don't want the disgruntled veterans i get it in that room so i i i, I get it i don't know i i certainly am so, not going to go with the fact he wasn't at otas i mean if we're going to go down that road then the cardinals might not have chandler jones yeah. which i am not saying they're not going to they i fully believe chandler jones is going to play for them this year without a too big of a deal so what about camp? Is he, I mean, we're T-minus just over one month away from camp, not even. Uh, do you expect him to re- be there on day one reporting for camp? Or am I now officially stirring it up by even posing I that question? I feel like you're stirring it up. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think it's an unfair question since he was not at minicamp. I mean, I think it's fair for people to wonder about that. But he hasn't said anything like that. I think – I forget what the rules are. I think you have to report by the 10th day or something like that of training camp uh, without – you know, incurring any kind of issues with your contract. So, again, I'm going to say the same thing about Chandler Jones, and this is kind of where I would go with Zach Ertz, which is if the, if a player doesn't want to play that year and he just wants to sit out and he's in his last year, I mean, you, you're, you're putting yourself in a tough position because even if you somehow come in and play part of the year, I mean, who's going to pay you off a partial year where you're disgruntled and you're older? I mean, you know, I, and that's why I think, I think Chandler Jones is going to come back and say, I need a big year to get paid big time if, if the Cardinals are not going to extend me now. I don't think he's he would be thrilled yeah. that he's not extended right. now, but I think he needs to play. And I, if you're Zach Ertz, I mean, you don't want to throw away one of your few years left. I don't know. I, I, I just Some of that just kind of makes me raise my eyebrow a little bit. Have there been any reports out there as to what Chandler Jones, Team Chandler, might be looking for? No. In terms of barbecue chicken? I mean, again... We don't. We haven't heard anything from Chandler of why he missed minicamp in the first place. We're all assuming it's contract related, but at no point has anybody said, other than like DJ Humphrey saying, "Well, it's a business," and Buddha saying it's a business. I mean, we're making that assumption, but Chandler hasn't said one yeah, word about okay. it. So it's a valid point. I don't want to. I don't want to get my cart in front of the Chandler Jones horse because. I saw a story recently, and there was a lot of speculation about Jamal Adams and what's his approach, and the Seahawks continue to be positive about Jamal Adams, and he'll be here, and he's going to get paid. We're going to get a deal worked out. Is Jamal Adams looking for $20 million I'm sure a year? he is. And I'm looking for $20 million a year, Paul. There are only 10 defenders, if I saw this stat right, only 10 defensive players who are making $20 million plus. Nine of those 10 are pass rushers. The lone exception would be Jalen Ramsey. Of the Rams, which I think based on what we saw yeah. of the two games last year, especially him going Fair. against D-Hop, yeah, that's legit. I yeah, mean, it's not it often is. I'm going to say, you know what, you earned every penny, you're $20 million per year. Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys. The question is, will Jamal Adams be one of those guys? And then somebody brought up Buda Baker. Well, Buda Baker signed for about $15 million a year without a single pick on his resume. And then he ended up with his first interceptions this past season. I think he, made, I think he proved that he was worth the, the contract last year. By the way, are you ready for a power poll? Are you um, ready always, for a power poll? Anything you have, Paul, when, when I'm always I, ready. When I notice your, your energy is waning, I, I need a, a June-July power poll. Here we go. Kyle Here's the latest. Kyle be ready, but I, I'm ready. The QB coach duo that is under the most pressure, top five, Bucky Brooks, former NFL player and scout, NFL.com, the QB coach duo 
under the most pressure this coming season. There's a top five. Care to guess right off the top before I reveal them one by one? I do believe that the McVeigh-Stafford duo is there. Uh, ding on Family Feud, you got the top spot. I was spot. a little surprised to not see Kyler and Cliff, to be honest. A little bit. That's why I clicked on it. Yeah. I was curious. Me too. They were not named. Uh, McVeigh and Matthew Stafford uh, were number one. Basically because the Rams gambled the house. They're all in. They traded away not only Jared Goff, but two other first-round picks, so they're all in on Matthew Stafford. Number two, John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. Just because of all the regular season success in an MVP award by Lamar Jackson, but very little playoff success. I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with that one a little bit because I think, I, I think a lot of teams, including this one, wouldn't mind being – the Ravens right now with all this regular season success and having chances and having an MVP, young MVP type quarterback. I, but that's just me. Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, yeah, number three. That's a good one. Because the rest of the roster, most uh, personnel experts think, is Super Bowl ready. They are stout on defense. The O-line is exceptional. They're underrated in terms of the weapons. So if the head coach can get the quarterback right, like he did a couple of years in a row in Philadelphia, then guess what? Colts could be that dark, ho- dark horse AFC contender. If you don't have a quarterback, it's really tough. This one needs to be closer to number one. John Gruden and Derek Carr. I mean, they're entering their fourth season yeah, that's together. True. I get that. They're 10 games below 500 cumulative, haven't sniffed the postseason. And then number five, which easily could be number one as well, Matt Nagy and either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields out of the bears so yeah but see the thing about that is like is justin fields really under a lot of pressure i don't think he is now maybe matt Nagy is but justin fields is a rookie so he's that's that's why i don't that's the the one i that i have an issue with a little bit is like how do you how do you say that that's a duel that's under pressure yeah there's enough pressure on matt Nagy for both parts of that uh, duo. yeah you know i i guess and, and i do agree with you on that one obviously uh if you're justin fields uh you know you have a grace period of a couple of years by the way speaking of chicago you got a mailbag question from a long time cardinals fan going back to their chicago Cardinals yeah, I days. Saw, yeah, I... and, and it was interesting i flipped through it and he was wondering about the alternate helmets yeah and that is a question we've kicked around with our Jim Omohundro, a uh, noted Cardinals historian. And I just said, well, wait a minute. What would the alternate helmet be? I don't remember a time where it wasn't a white helmet. If you go back, and I did a quick Google search because he cited his favorite player of all time, Ollie Matson, well, the Ollie Hall Matson, of Famer. Yeah. I said, when exactly did Ollie Matson play? Well, it was in the 50s. Yeah. And if you do a quick Google search, Chicago Cardinals and some of the images, there are a lot of pictures, including one on the cover of Sports Illustrated, 1957, of him wearing a solid cardinal red helmet. No bird logo, no logo of any sort, just solid cardinal red. Face mask was great? It was a single bar face mask. Okay. Okay, sort of like Kevin Butler back in the day for the Cardinals. Scott single Player, bar. you got to go Scott, Scott Player. Player, absolutely. So are, are we thinking, first off, would every team? No. Have to go? No. Well, first of all, this all, wouldn't be all, like a theme night on Thursday night football. All the it? all the league is saying is it's it's an option if you want to use it. Okay. That certainly doesn't mean every team is going to do it. And and I knew as soon as I posted the news that everybody's going to be like, well, we don't even have good jerseys, so what does it matter about helmets and all this stuff? Um, but the reason it came out was because and it, it, there will be no alternate helmets in 2021. But the the 
rule or however they're putting this together is is you have to declare by the end of July or the beginning of July, sometime in July, if you're going to use an alternate helmet in 2022. So we're, we're wow. a, a season away from even seeing any of these, but it does give some options. If you're at Tampa Bay and you want to do the creamsicles one time, which, you know, as somebody at my age, I would love to see the Buccaneers do the creamsicles with the old school. Really? Oh, my God. I love I mean, those uniforms. You love them? Yeah. I mean, they, they really? It's I nostalgia. Th- I thought they were horrendous then, and they haven't aged well. Oh, no. I, see, I, just... I disagree. See, I, I don't know if they were great in the first place, but now I'm I'm definitely got that, that nostalgia look. Okay. The, 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 Denver, the Denver helmets with the D, with the... Helmet, I like that yeah, better yeah, than the old school or yeah. than the, the current one. Than the new one? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm feeling I'll down that, that, I guess. Right. You know, I, I mean, uh, I, I guess. So does there need to be precedent? Does a team need to have worn the helmet once upon a time, or you can you devise? No, I, th- I think I think the helmet has to have – it needs to look like a helmet that was once that once existed. I don't think okay. you can just pull one out of your – Came out some some radical matte black no, sort of new age Cardinals no, helmet. I don't I don't believe that's where, – Where the helmet is actually the entire head, so you got a massive eye on either side, no. and then the face mask is yellow for the beak. And then the that whole would thing? be no, but you would have to do some. If you do something new, that would have to be your primary helmet. And I'm fairly, I'm feeling mm. fairly confident that a tradition laden family like the Bidwells are not looking to overhaul the helmet. I see. Okay. All right. Are they looking to go after the scouting combine? How's that for a segue? That is good. Because like there's that. there's more NFL news about what's. I'm just gonna forecast here that if you put it to a vote of the NFL owners, and Scottsdale was bidding on the combine in late February. You wouldn't have to ask the owners twice. Come out to the AZ in late February, play some golf, hang out at our world-class resorts, and, oh, while you're at it, hold a combine. Okay, here's the problem with that. The problem is, one, the owners don't – the combine isn't the owner's deal. That's the owner's meetings. Where where are you going to do it here? See, the, the here's – let Phoenix Convention Center, what okay, do you need? But see, the reason – Indianapolis is so good for the combine and I you know I've been around it for I mean last year was the first year in what 20 years that I haven't been to Indy in February um the the reason it's so good is because you have a ton of hotels you have a convention center you have a stadium and you have medical facilities within like five miles there even closer and you have all that right, like right in this tight little mm. two square mile area. Whatever. So you're it saying is. proximity is the key. I, I think it is. Everybody can walk everywhere, everywhere they need to go. Okay. In Indianapolis, all these other cities, I don't know how you do that. It's certainly not here. Like, you say the convention center. So what are you going to do? You're going to like have guys run the forty in the middle of a ballroom. As opposed to, oh, I see, as opposed to the... Uh, like, they go Luka to the Soil stadium. Dome there, yeah. The stadium. So okay, I got gotcha. you. But you, you can't right. hold it out at the stadium here because yeah. there's only one hotel and it's way far flung from everything else. Well, look, uh, if the dollars are right and the bid is, is right there, then they'll make it work. They'll figure oh, out I know the they're facilities. There's a reason why yep. it is, and it's going to end up... It'll be in L.A. a time or two because of what, what they're building out there. And, I, you know, that this has been yep. anticipated for a long time. 
Um, and a clear, I wouldn't mind going to LA more than Indy sometimes. I mean, I don't mind Indy. It's been a fine place and I don't mind hanging out there, but I just, for the job that they're trying to do. But again, the NFL is trying to make money off of this and not just from cities bidding for it, but also they've, they've turned it into a TV event and a event for fans. And, um, when it originally was all about, you know, getting height, weight, and medicals and, and doing a couple drills for football players. And like the NFL does, it's turned it into a moneymaker, which yeah. got to give them thumbs up for that. Well, do they not just realize that, you know what, maybe the combine isn't quite as essential as we thought. They were just able to conduct a draft without it. Well, So maybe now it is more for show than it is for football. Well, yes, they just conducted, but we don't know the, the, we don't know the outcome of what they just conducted. I mean, we're not going to know that until after this draft class goes through there. And maybe at some point, especially if there's a couple guys that end up uh, being medical problems that maybe you would have found in the old, old time medical deal or how all of that worked, you know, we don't know not having the combine, but I do think we're moving in that direction. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all goes, because if you can figure out ways to not need a combine for the football, but the league wants it for the entertainment value of the off season. You're going to have to. You're going to. You might start having some issues with some of these players wanting to go in the first place. Meaning they need an appearance fee. Maybe they need to be compensated. Maybe interesting because you're right. If a big name is going to draw a lot of attention, a lot of viewers and eyeballs to the forty, then wait a minute. Am I just doing? Shouldn't I be compensated for this? I'm no longer a college athlete, and uh, that is intriguing, no doubt about it. Which is funny you bring that up, the college athlete, because I just saw an article now with the NIL in college. Will will there be a chance that some uh, football players, uh, well, there's the argument that they might be convinced to stay in college longer because they're going to retain. They'll, they'll have a better chance of being a star in college, and the the the, uh, the main guy that they talked about in the article was Scooby Wright. I saw that because there was a big splashy picture yeah. above the fold of an inside linebacker wearing number fifty six yeah, for the Cardinals. Scooby. And I said to myself, "Who is that?" And the the point was, if he had been able to get paid in college when he was a superstar, which he was before he got hurt. He actually might have done better, and he had acknowledged that if he was getting paid in college on his name and likeness, uh, that maybe it would have stopped him from coming out when he did. Right, because, well, especially after the knee injury, he wasn't going to be a day one draft pick. In fact, he was a day three draft pick. It was right at the end of the draft. But he was a big deal in Tucson early in his career. He had 15 sacks the year before he got hurt. 15? Really? As an inside linebacker? Yeah, he was good. I mean, I... I do remember they had a phenomenal year. Not that I love saying that about a Wildcat. And, and in Tucson, where U of A is king, U of A is the only game in town, yeah, you're darn right. He could have made a lot of money off his name, image, and likeness. You you would think. I don't I don't know that for a fact. Maybe he would have. Maybe he wouldn't. I mean, I think, I think what happens in college is going to be interesting to watch because, you know, you, you are going to – I mean, 99.9% of these players – I don't know how many national people are going to be interested in them. And, and locally, there's only going to be a couple on each team that maybe you want to you want to use in your local commercial or something. But I mean, think about it. Uh, just locally, like ASU, like 
popular players who didn't really have much of a, a future in the NFL, a Manny Wilkins, a Mike Bercovici. The, yeah. These are guys who maybe their senior years at ASU could have raked in some cash. Yeah. And, and Eno. Eno Benjamin. Yeah, sure. I mean, guys who great personalities, loved by the ASU fan base, and you're in a big top 10 media market like Phoenix. And sure, there's money to be made and endorsements and so forth. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that's really interesting. Um, okay. Speaking of the dollars, let's just bottom line it. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. where are we on this? Uh, where is I Fitz? Know. I was stuck at a youth baseball game for the most recent Suns game at home, game five. Was he courtside again? Was Larry courtside? Uh, you know what? I did not see anything from him at game five, but I will be honest. Um, that was tough to watch all the way around, so I wasn't watching for the <laughs> sideline very often. I see. You know what Larry needs to do? He needs to do to Paul George what that NBA referee did to Trey Young. He needs to stick his foot out and somehow trip up, or better yet, maybe uh, you know get it for the Patrick Beverly who's got it coming. Some of these guys who are stirring it up over there, the instigators that the Clippers are. You know, Larry needs to maybe have an inverted foot they can trip over and twist their ankle. That's just wrong, Paul. Yeah, That's just right. wrong. Okay. So I have two theories tied right now for the clubhouse lead when it comes to fits because I see you wow. fielded that. Two theories. There was at least one question in the mailbag about what it, people think you're holding out on Larry Fitzgerald. You realize that, Darren. They want info on Larry. They think you're holding out. You're not telling all. Uh, so once again, I don't think people understand how much I really want this over with myself. <laughs> I see. So um, I wrote some good stuff that yeah. I want to push out to the world. Okay, so the probably the most likely, well, he, the most likely scenario is, guess what, Larry's done. He hasn't told anyone. But if you're going to have fun with this and you think there is a future in football for Larry, I think the most likely scenario at this point is that he goes all Dwight Freeney and he shows up in late September. The oh, last okay. three years of Dwight Freeney's career, he didn't show up. Confused like, me there. I thought right? you meant like he was going to strip sack Teddy Bridgewater. No, no, he's not going to go Brandon Jacobs and go from running back to defensive <laughs> end, which we saw we're talking about. Remember I said that recently on the Cardinals underground? I said that Derrick Henry reminds me of yeah, Brandon you Jacobs. Did. you did. When you look in the backfield, and what did I say? Why is the defensive end playing running back? And then, boom, like LeVar Ball, Papa Ball, I spoke it into existence, and all of a sudden there's a story about Brandon Jacobs getting interest from NFL teams well, so, that so he could Brandon be an edge. Jacobs Brandon Jacobs, he could, he could get interest. You know, he could be a pass rusher off the edge from he's, running back. He's the one saying he's getting interest. I haven't heard yeah, any that, teams That is true. He hasn't signed on the line that's dotted. You're right. Um, and then the only other feasible theory, I think, at this point, and we've, we've named them all. I'm going to go back to one I think I used in, in April at some point. But nobody remembers. With an obvious hole at tight end on the depth chart oh, right now. Jesus. Have we had a visual on Larry? I mean, you know, have we really – been able to assess is Larry help I mean for a lack of better way to say it is is he let himself go I mean is he put on a good 20 pounds in the offseason is he purposely maybe tracking towards the body mass of a tight end you know is is this something where you know Larry could be some what of a flex tight end type I mean you can't tell me blocks any worse than you know, a Dan Arnold or a Ricky Seals-Jones or, Do you or a Rob Hausler or a Leonard Pope. I mean, you know, Cardinals bad blocking tight ends for 500. You know, you know, you're telling me that maybe somehow, some way, Larry does have a spot on this team. It's just not where he typically would play. My, my guess is that Larry Fitzgerald will never let himself go because he has reasons to keep his physique outside the, the football locker room. Um, I think he, you know, he's still in the prime of his life. He wants the ladies to pay attention to him. I don't think he's just going to go. I'm glad he didn't say golf, by the way, because a lot of no, fat guys no, play a lot of golf. golf. 
I don't think he's going to okay. go all Fritos, eating Fritos all the time. <laughs> I see. On this. I see. Okay. But since he's still a single guy out there, you're saying uh, there's, there's uh, other reasons. I to, do not uh, see him changing shit. his okay. single status at any moment. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, is there anything else out there that we need to be aware of in terms of a working theory on Larry Fitzgerald and where this all stands, Darren? Again, I, I don't I see. I don't have the brain that you do, Paul, and and that's a fair point no, to make. That's to your advantage. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I, I can't get away from like I want your see name what and picture is a top of the fold on the website. <laughs> when the uh, when the when the sun season is over, wherever whenever that might be, and God forbid that happens. Uh, I hope it's later than rather than sooner, but who knows the way this I could, is going. I can tell you're tormented by this I Suns playoff run. I, I can mean, see. It's, just, okay. it's, it's right. been hard. Okay. It's been hard, Paul. Okay. All right. um, and tattoo aside. And uh, so we'll see what happens. But I, I really think the Suns have to be done before. I mean, I just please, please don't just go off silent. I mean, just don't do that to us, Fitz. Say something. Do you, do you think... Do you think he's unsure? Do you think he's still honestly, genuinely trying to decide? Here, here's what I think. I was actually thinking about this myself last night. I don't know why this came up in my head, but it did. I do think that he is leaning towards being done. I also think we, we joke about how he wants to kind of fade away and everything, but I also believe... Larry is the type of person it's going to be very, very, very difficult to say those words out loud. And it's one thing to tweet it, and he might be able to do that or do the Players' Tribune article or whatever. But in terms of, like, having a press conference, I mean, I, honestly, I don't – There, in all the years I've known Larry Fitzgerald, and I'm not around him most of the time, obviously, but I have not seen him be very emotional most of the time. I think he would be the type of person that would have a very, very difficult time getting up in front of people and talking about how his career is over. I do think he might be upset by that a little bit right now. Now, maybe eventually when he does it and it's really settled in or we play some games or whatever, but I, 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 that's, that's just my take on it. And if, if Larry wants to text me and say I'm full of crap, because, of course, I'm sure he's listening to Cardinals Underground. He's welcome to do that. Once again, we need to rename this to a golf podcast, and Larry Fitzgerald will be our guest. That That's the key around here is to, uh, under the guise and auspices that we're doing a golf podcast. Yeah. Larry will join us, and we'll hear from the man himself. But until that happens, uh, no chance whatsoever. Well, since I don't golf, and I don't know if you golf, Paul. <laughs> Not very I well. Kyle golfs. I've purposely given it up recently i i got anger management issues when it comes to golf so that wouldn't work <laughs> yeah, no well. that's not good and you can't do that because you haven't played in x number of yeah, years exactly. and then you can't expect yourself to play well no so you better have the mindset going in that well, I, I can't expect this, myself to play well because i've never played well so this is going to be 18 holes of agony get my mind right let's go that's that's what you need to come to grips with before you ever tee it up and you're right by the way on larry the game is much more meaningful to him than he lets on oh yeah and he's much more a historian of the game yeah, yeah. and knows everything involved with not only the Cardinals, but the rest of the league and the history of the game. He is, it is his life. Now, look, does he have hobbies? Obviously. And, and he's, he's got a massive golf Jones. We get that. But it's his career. It's his passion. And, you know, that's what drives him in so many ways is playing Football. Yeah. When he says he has no desire to coach, I believe him. You believe no. him. No. No. He ain't a coach. It, it's competing 
that drives him. The the bottom line, and this goes for so many players, but you can have a golf Jones, but what's Larry, 36, 37, somewhere in there? I mean, he's going to be golfing when he's 65. When he says goodbye to pro football, it's over. He is not playing pro football anymore. Now, he may be able to get out in the backyard and toss it around with his kids, but it's over, and, and that's a tough that's a tough thing for most athletes to do. And for somebody who, you know, he's spent, I mean, he's not going to quite get to half his life playing pro football, but it's, he's gotten a lot closer than a lot of other people do. So, you know, I don't refer to this very often, but when I was a 19 year old punk and an assistant to the assistant producer doing TV in the Bay Area, they would send me up to 49ers training camp. And so I'd go up there and I'd have the wireless mic and it was, in hindsight, it was unbelievable. There I am interviewing Joe Montana and Ronnie Lott and Roger Craig and Jerry Rice. Yeah. And Jerry Rice was, even though married, family, the whole thing, he was much like Larry. Yeah. He got up every day to play football. We know Larry or Jerry Rice played until he was around 40, at 20 years in the game. And when a few years ago, if you remember, Jerry Rice was in the sideline in fits and they embraced yep. and the cameras were there and the whole thing. And, and uh, Jerry had a few things to say. You could just see the envy, Jerry Rice. This is just me. This is just me reading Jerry's mind and the look on his face and having covered him some two decades plus ago. But just to see, man, Jerry would have given anything in that instant to trade places with Larry Fitzgerald, put on the pads, and walk across that white stripe because there is a world of difference between being on the sideline side of that white stripe and the playing field side of that white stripe. And that's Larry knows. Once you cross over that, you're never going back. Have you ever seen the movie Everybody's All-American? No. It's it's it came out in the early 90s I want to say it doesn't star Adam Sandler does it no it's Dennis Quaid Dennis Quaid I believe it's based on a book Um, Dennis Quaid plays a star football player at LSU in like the 50s and it kind of traces his life with his girlfriend and wife and uh, but it traces his life as a football player from star at LSU to high draft pick playing for a terrible NFL team to retired and uh, spoilers right now, so if you haven't seen it and you want to go see it, turn us off now. Um, when he's playing at LSU, he's he's really well adjusted. He enjoys being a star, but he doesn't. He's got no ego. He downplays it, and he he's kind of aw shucks about it. Like, why does everybody pay so much attention to me? He gets into the pros. It's definitely a business. He's playing for a bad team. He gets hurt. He gets some money, but. It's not the same as the glory of college football at LSU. And then in his old age, and as you get to the end of the movie, again, spoilers, um, he comes back to LSU for a, uh, like the 25th anniversary of his team or whatever. And he's out on the field and he's the last guy, the galloping ghost, and the crowd starts clapping for him. And you can tell he is completely enjoying being back in this element of being the star in, in LSU and all the crowd. And they start getting louder and louder. And he gets this grin on his face like, I really miss this. And he realizes all of a sudden the reason the crowd got loud was because the current team was running out on the field. Mm. And he realized <laughs> they weren't cheering for him. Right. And he realized that 
Wow. He's not. And, and again, it, it really, it, and actually, if I remember correctly, it was a fictional book written by a sports writer. I'm trying to remember who wrote it. Um, a sports illustrator writer, I want to say. But ultimately, it, that's what it is. I mean, you, in the moment, and I think Fitz was like this. Sometimes he doesn't like the spotlight and he doesn't like the media and all this stuff. But a lot of these guys, and maybe he won't be this way, but a lot of these guys, once they're away from it for a while, they realize how much they really did yeah. like it. Darren, you know this. This is my final thought on this. Around the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, it could be late on a Friday of a game week. Everybody is gone. Yeah. And you're cutting through the facility in the training room, and you look over, and there's Larry. Yeah. He's still there. Yeah. He spends a lot yeah. of time here. Yeah. You're right. So we'll see. We'll see exactly uh, what might transpire by the time either, A, the Suns are done, or B, training camp starts, or he'll go Dwight Freeney, and we won't know until uh, late September. We'll see about that. I expect him for the Thursday night game against the Packers. The question is, will we see Kyle again uh, after uh, we have him interviewing for the Next Gen Stats gig? Oh, wait, no, I'm supposed to get you that job for your son. I need that tweet. Okay, all right. By the way, did I give you the – Titans update desk. Uh, oh, further Jesus. further evidence around here. The Cardinals really should just start game planning for the Vikings. Don't even show up in Nashville for week one because uh, now you have uh, more bullish predictions. And uh, and this is from NFL.com predicting every team MVP and the NFL.com thing that came out this week saying the Julio Jones trade, quote, makes too much sense. And this is one of those cases uh, where half the league will be kicking themselves when Jones is at 1,000 yards by week 12. So, once again. Wow, Ryan Tannehill got a lot better. There is a reason why the uh, biggest bandwagon power pole, the Tennessee Titans. And so, uh, let's hope. tweet. Let's see. Let's hope they're reading all of that between now and September 12th. I need that tweet. We'll do it. That'll do it for this edition (laughs) of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.